Welcome to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast with co-hosts Jacob and Terry. Teen Financial Freedom is a personal finance blog run by teens who are on a mission to equip their peers with the knowledge, resources, and understanding they need to become financially free for the rest of their lives. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. Today, myself, Jacob, and Terry are here with a special guest, Taylor Thompson. He is a, are you 19, Taylor? Yeah, I'm just turned 19. All right. He is a 19-year-old real estate investor in uh, Colorado, actually, which is the same state I'm in. So super cool to meet somebody at a young age in Colorado as well, who's interested in real estate. So we're, we're really excited to learn more about Taylor's backstory and kind of how he got into uh, real estate. He actually just closed on his very first property last month. So congrats to you, Taylor. That's awesome, man. Taylor, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty good. And um, thank you guys for having me on here. I'm, I'm excited to get started and I hope I can make this as value as possible. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right, Taylor, we're going to go ahead and get started here. First question for you. We always like to have our guests kind of start with their backstory, you know, growing up, you know, I mean, was money a a subject that you guys talked about in your home? I mean, was finance and business stuff you were always interested in? Was there some sort of aha moment that, you know, made you get interested in this or, you know, what exactly was the backstory that got you to the point you're at today? Well, I mean, um, my parents, both of them, you know, they, work a ton of hours per week and you know they don't exactly enjoy their jobs and to see them being like in their 50s still like working at like a job that they aren't exactly like excited to go to every day um that's what really wanted me to dive really deep into it I really didn't know anything about early financial freedom or even real estate until about a year ago and so when I first started um it's kind of funny I actually started from Monopoly so we're playing Monopoly Mm -hmm. and, and at the time I didn't even know what real estate was and so I was like undefeated. I had won like five games in a row. So I was like, you know, this like real estate thing is kind of cool. So I did some basic YouTube um, researching and then eventually from YouTube videos that spiraled down to all of the books, the podcasts, um, you know how it goes. Um, and so I kind of started like how everybody else starts. And so I always knew that I wanted to be like wealthy, but like, so I, I didn't do so good in high school. And so I thought, you know, like I completely, you know, missed my shot. And I remember for a while, like I was actually pretty bummed out because I thought I just, I, I done messed up, you know, there's nothing like that's it. And then eventually when I started watching those YouTube videos, you know, I started hearing people, you know, retiring in their early thirties, twenties from real estate investing. And I'm and like, it just like blew my mind that like not everybody does this. And, um, so that's pretty much how I got started. I guess what's my big why is just to, you know, live life on my own terms. You know, um, I really like, um, you know, the idea for working for myself and, you know, just not have to stick in the whole rat race until your 60s. Yeah, love that. Um, I mean, you know, I mentioned this in a recent episode that we did, but um, for our audience that listens to uh, most of our episodes, you've probably noticed that we've started to shift towards a lot more real estate content. And we've been interviewing a lot of these young people who have got into real estate. And that's kind of for two reasons. One, Terry and I just ended up in this group called Sheik's Freaks, which is a um, 
I guess, a mastermind group of young people from 15 to 25 who are interested in early financial independence, which is what Taylor's talking about, and then who are also specifically interested in real estate. Uh, and so once I got into this group, I started to realize how easy it is, or not easy, but it's like how, I guess I thought it was almost impossible to get into real estate at a young age. I thought it was something that I would do, you know, after college or in my thirties or, or whenever I didn't realize that it's actually possible for young people to get into real estate. And what's starting to excite me so much is that you can start to learn about this now, get your next deal or your first deal in the next year or two. Uh, and then really you're going to see tangible results right away. If you start inv investing in the stock market, you're not going to see compounding interest and, you know, really any results for 10, 20, 30 years down the line. Uh, and so what I, what I'm starting to realize is that real estate is an asset that you have incredible control over, and it's just such a powerful wealth building method. And so that's, what's starting to get me fired up about real estate. That's why I'm reaching out to all these other people who have already acquired properties. I'm trying to learn as much as I can uh, about them and just kind of hear their story and, you know, just ask for help, ask them to kind of guide me down the process that they were on just a few short months ago. And so that's kind of why we've been uh, talking to a lot of these sort of real estate investors. Um, I mean, the old content is still going to keep coming out like usual, but we're just kind of expanding into the real estate niche now as well as we learn more about it. So uh, that's just a little backstory on kind of why we're taking this shift towards real estate. Uh, Taylor, can you tell us about this this first deal that you got? You just closed on this deal a, a month ago. Do you just want to kind of give us the details on the property? Yeah, for sure. So um, I can explain like how we got the deal and everything later. But the deal itself is so it's a four bedroom, three bathroom house that we're actually converting into six bedrooms. And so these two additional rooms that we're adding, they're not like super, you know, closet sized rooms or anything. Um, uh, we're sectioning a part of the living basement room off. Um, and so, um, there's also an office room in the basement. So we're going to be extending that room out. And so both of these are completely livable, good sized rooms. And so what I'm doing is I'm renting out each individual room. And so the type of strategy, I guess, for everyone's not familiar is what I'm doing is, is house hacking. And so for, uh, I mean, what the main people, main reason why people don't get into real estate is because they think you need like this, you know, super huge amount of cash. But um, there's a thing called house hacking. And so if you just live in the property for at least one year, you can put as low as a 3% down payment. And for traditional properties, you need at least 20% down payment. And so um, my house, uh, it was 500000 So normally it would have been $100,000 just for the down payment. But since I'm just living there for 12 months, um, I was able to get it all the way down to three and a half, which brought my just initial down payment to 17,000 instead of 100,000. And so um, this way I can also be living completely rent-free. So um, a little bit about the numbers is, so I'll be actually making about $700 per month while living there. So, um, you know, if I didn't buy this house, I'd be just renting out a bedroom likely for like 700, $800. So instead of spending 700, $800, I'm now gaining 700 to $800. So I'm getting that much further ahead um, per month. And then um, it just allows me to buy a $500,000 asset for just a, such a low down payment. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Uh, I'm curious to know about this, this renovation, because you said the house that you bought was four bedrooms, but you're converting into six bedrooms. Uh, I think a lot of people, well, one, I know I wouldn't have a clue of where to start with that. And I think a lot of people on their first deal, I mean, they don't usually recommend that people kind of do a renovation for their first deal. So I'm, I'm kind of curious where you got that idea and how you managed to accomplish that. So, well, I mean, I had to look at it through different aspects. So like personally me, like I'm not handy whatsoever. Like, like I could honestly, like if I'm being honest, I could barely install like a doorknob, you know? (laughs) Um, And so we're actually hiring out the whole renovation. And so um, just that single from these two rooms, making these two rooms um, actually rentable is going to bring me about an extra 19,000 per year. Wow. in pure cash flow. And so um, the whole renovation uh, just for the basement is going to cost us um, only about $1,600. So, um, you know, I have to balance, you know, like 19000 per year for a $1,600 expense, you know. Mm-hmm. And so these rooms have had no issue getting filled up. So like I said, um, I closed on the property about a month ago and I already have four tenants. So I have all my available rooms filled up, except for the room that will be converted once it is ready. Gotcha. Okay. It's good to know. Uh, and then you kind of said you were going to talk a little bit more about how you found this deal. I'm interested um, just because I'm in the Colorado market as well. From my perspective, it is a lot harder to find a deal in Colorado right now. <laughs> um, at least I guess I'm looking more at multifamilies, uh, not these single family homes that you're kind of looking at. But I guess I'm interested to hear your perspective on finding a deal in Colorado if our listeners happen to be in Colorado. But just in general, I think the real estate market is a lot more competitive right now. So how did you go about actually finding that deal? It's definitely really competitive. So our original plan was is to try to have our upfront cash to close as low as possible. So we were going to offer um, above what they were asking, but offer, say, like... Um, seller pays all closing costs, but we'll give them, you know, a really solid offer. So then they just, um, you know, swap out on that. But once it actually came time, we realized that in a normal market, you can do that. But in the current market, um, definitely not. So um, uh, we had to make about a dozen offers before we got our first house. And so uh, something important that I learned um, through this process is something called an appraisal gap. And so banks will only lend you for the amount that a house gets appraised for. So like um, for my house, uh, for example, like um, we offered at, they they were asking 460, but we had to offer at 500,000 to get it. But we had to offer with a $13,000 appraisal gap because when an appraiser comes in, like a person that gives like the value of the house, whatever number that they say. So let's say um, it appraises at 480 and you had to offer 500,000. That means you have to come up with that additional 20,000 in pure cash to cover Mm -hmm. that difference. There's no workaround with that. And so for our offer to get accepted, we had to offer with a $13,000 appraisal gap. And it's kind of lucky. We just, we got appraised exactly for what we at least needed it for, um, our appraisal a gap. So we did have to pay an additional $13,000 because to get this deal, we had to offer 
a lot higher. And on, on our other deals, we didn't offer that high, but the layout of this house was just, uh, it works really well for what I exactly was doing. So I knew, I knew that I really wanted this one. And I knew that even with this additional $13,000, um, cash upfront, um, you know, I'm still getting over a 60% ROI. So. Dang, that's impressive. Um, okay. You're doing a rent by room concept, which is, um, I think it's becoming a lot more popular, but I'm, I'm curious because from my perspective, I, I just can't imagine who would want to kind of do that type of uh, arrangement besides like maybe a broke college student. Like that's the only person that comes to mind. <laughs> so, so who exactly are you targeting for these tenants? Um, I'm curious how, cause you said you already have a few tenants uh, that have moved into your open rooms. How's it been like personally for you? I, if, I'm not sure if you're living in the house right yeah, now or not. Oh, I am. Um, yeah, so I is it like in having in a bunch of like college roommates just in a <laughs> giant dorm or what's, what's the feel? Yeah. Like? So, you know, it is a little interesting living with random people. Cause I moved from my parents' house to here. So I've never like had like an actual roommate, but if I'm being honest, it's actually pretty fun. Um, I have some pretty fun roommates. So, um, who I'm marketing to is so a pretty good tip that I learned is to market to a certain type of group of people. So the group of people that I'm focusing on is young professionals that are um, either new to Colorado or are like um, outdoors, outdoorsy type of active people. And so like people who are really active, they like to be around people who are really active. And so um, my tenants, um, they range from 20 years old to 35. And so um uh, they're definitely not like one of my tenants, you know, he makes over a hundred thousand per year, but you know, just because how expensive, um, the market is to rent a, um, bedroom, it works out really well. Cause I personally think that the more expensive of a market you're in, the better rent by bedrooms work because mm. now they can compare to a really expensive. Cause like in the same area, um, apartments are around, um, pretty close to $2,000, and so my rooms are $800, you know, people who are just um, even just somewhat frugal, you know, they're going to go on the little bit um, on the cheaper route. And they're also on one year leases. But uh, to answer, like, how is it actually living with them? You know, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, it seems like everything works out really well, though. It, everybody's schedules are completely different. And like, um, honestly, throughout like the day, like between like, 10 and like six, like nobody's even home. Like sometimes I forget, like I'm living with four other people, you know, like, and everybody's really good about cleaning about themselves. Um, everybody likes each other a lot. Um, I think actually next weekend we're going to all set up a grill. So it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, um, but yeah, we do. We definitely do have some like rules in place, like um, no cigarettes, um, we're pretty heavy on like making sure like you clean up after your stuff because that tends to be the biggest problem that people have with these rent by rooms. And so we actually are, we actually having a maid come in every other month to do like a full top to bottom clean on everything to keep everything up to date. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and then, you know, we talked about this a little bit before the call, but something that I've been kind of um, struggling with as I'm trying to get into real estate is getting that um, loan approved with um, relatively low income compared to adults as we're just teens. 
Uh, and so you kind of talked about an alternative to that using a cosigner. Do you kind of want to explain that? Yeah, for sure. So like when you're applying for a mortgage to like get a, a deal financed, they're going to be looking at your credits, your income and your debt. And so like, let's say um, you only make 3000 per month but you're um so like when you have a co-signer they're going to combine both of you so let's say you have you make three thousand a month and then that's not enough to get the loan approved so then you get a co-signer that makes six thousand dollars a month and so what they're going to do is they're going to look at it as if you guys make nine thousand per month and they're also going to combine both of your credit scores together and but they will also combine both of your debts like i have no debt but my co-signer which was my mom she did have a lot of debt. And so that did cause a few little issues. Um, but it's definitely like the easiest workaround. Um, because of my mom's income, um, they didn't even really have to um, use any of mine. And so I would like, um, I would definitely like, if you're interested in real estate, like reach out to like, definitely like your parents, first of all, and see, you know, if they can get on board of this. And then, you know, if for some reason they can't, then reach out to like every possible family member friend that you know that has a bit of a higher income and just reach out to everybody explain exactly what you're doing and um it's definitely going to increase your chances like i had my mom and then my grandma and then a cousin like if um you know if it was, wasn't all going to work out with my mom question for you how did you go about actually like structuring that deal with your mom um like for me I, i'm kind of looking to do something similar with using kind of my dad like i was saying to um since he's interested in real estate i'm going to probably co-sign with him does she have equity in the property does she is she just doing it kind of out of the kindness of her heart uh how exactly does that look well, I mean, um, both of my parents have been really supportive on all of this and I've been explaining, you know, everything to them ever since I started learning about it. And so they get the whole gist of, you know, early retirement. They personally don't want to do it themselves, which is fine, but they, they totally get the idea of like, you know, I can live completely rent free, um, and buy like a super expensive investment property for such a low upfront cost and so she didn't um like ask for any equity um i think when it comes time like that i can pull some out i'll just um you know at a uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to give her some for you know helping me out and everything mm -hmm. but she she's um just doing this to help me get everything um rolling cool it's awesome terry you got any uh questions you want to throw in there one that comes to mind is kind of an, like analyzing your story from perspective if you if you were going to impart like wisdom upon a younger you of sort right uh so like for example what would be like the the biggest hiccup you've run into doing this first real estate deal uh, like maybe the major pain point um and funnily enough i asked this type of question to another young business owner i interviewed once like what kind of mistakes have you um made running your he, he was running lawn care business running your lawn care business and what would you have done to like fix those um and he, he had some good, like, uh, good pointers, but he also said that he learned from every single mistake so that he, that, uh, he in fact, wouldn't go back to prevent himself from learning those or from encountering those mistakes because he learned from every single one of them. And I thought that was a really uh, creative and interesting point he made. Um, but I guess, uh, anyways, to, to, the, to the point of the question, what was like your major pain point going through this first deal? Uh, and what would be your, 
I guess, wisdom to someone who's kind of following in the same path for them to avoid that? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely make sure you have enough budgeted for everything. So like our original cost, if we were going to have seller, the sellers pay for all the closing costs and we would just come up with our three and a half percent down payment, our like total costs would have been only like 21000 But with paying closing costs and that $13,000 appraisal gap that brought bought it, uh, bump it up from like twenty one thousand to like thirty seven thousand. So like, um, I would definitely make sure like um, talk to like lenders. You know, like have them like run you through a deal and tell like have them tell you exactly how much how like all of their systems work and how much is there actually going to be cash to closing. Um, and then I would definitely have um make sure you have a really good lender. The lender that I, we worked with honestly wasn't um, very good. Uh, if I could have done it again, I definitely would have worked through a different one. Um, they caused our um, closing to be delayed a bit just because they just for some reason just stopped working on our deal. And there's just a huge lack of communication. And so we had to extend a few times out and we actually almost lost the deal. Um, yeah. And fortunately it all pulled through, but I would just say, um, you know, really focus on talking to lenders before, figure out exactly how much cash is going to be closed. And then um, I would say also uh, back to like reaching out to family members and everybody, um, you know, I would definitely also reach out to like everybody, you know, if you had to fall back on them for cash reserves, if anything were to come up, if you like kind of closed on the deal and everything's were like super slim, you know, you have multiple people that you could fall back on to um and i would say that's pretty much my um my that was like the most difficult i'd say the most difficult part of everything was just the financing like finding the deal wasn't too difficult you know we just had to be a bit consistent with it and then um the rehab um was pretty light and then finding tenants was super easy just because i'm in a really hot market um so i'd say um the financing part was the most difficult for me Gotcha. And um, your point about lenders stuck out to me because Mr. Dan uh, Sheeks, the the leader of our you know, the Sheeks Fruits group, right. uh, I, the one thing I've heard him talk about a lot is uh, many people, especially young people, mistakenly think uh, to get certain real estate, they need to hunt and find their first deal. Uh, while he thinks they should talk to to lenders and find the capital and the and find out what like what it would take for the budget and type of thing. Uh, first yeah yeah definitely um i would definitely before you make even a single offer i would definitely make sure you have everything completely budgeted capital wise and already be pre-approved so then then you can you can just dive head in first because um most offers they're gonna want to see that you're already pre-approved especially in this kind of market and if you if you're if you tell them that you're not like a hundred percent sure, they're most likely just going to work on the next offer because the crazy thing enough is in my market they averaged out how many showings every house got um, mm-hmm. throughout like the past few months and every single house got an average of over two hundred showings within the first like two or three days. So oh, like they <laughs> yeah, so they have dozens and dozens of offers to work with. So you definitely want to be completely. Um, pre-approved and then also if you were to give them your earnest money deposit so your earnest money deposit is when you get a deal under contract um within like three or four days of getting under contract they're going to want to have this earnest money deposit so you have skin in the game and this deposit you can lose if you if the deal falls out um because of you you will lose that deposit so like my earnest money Mm. 
deposit was $7,500. And so that $7,500 goes to your down payment once closing actually happens. But it's to hold you accountable for this, um, for being under contract. And so, like, if we weren't fully pre-approved and then it turns out that, you know, uh, my mom's debt was too high, um, they would keep that $7,500. And so that would definitely be a pretty fat slap in the face. Yeah, Yeah, that would be. I can can attest to watching my mom in her wholesaling business. Uh, for th- for those of you out there, I'm sure Taylor knows as well. Um, when when you're working with a seller and you're wanting, and especially in a competitive market, um, the quicker you follow through with the with each steps, uh, like with each each one of the steps, uh, the far happier and more cooperative the seller and the in my mom's case, she's doing wholesale, so she's kind of the middleman. Uh, but the far happier all parties involved will be, uh, it will just run that much more smoothly. So if you can have everything on your side, all set up, organized and ready to go, cash in the bank or in hand, you know, ready to be handed over. And you can do this, you know, you know, back to back to back uh, without, without them having to, to remind you and prod you, um, it'll, the whole deal will just go infinitely smoother. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Any, anything else to add on that? I mean, yeah, I would just, um, just really make sure you, budget everything correctly and just be really careful um exactly what you're offering on um something that i wish uh, we did take account in a little bit more for is like so like for like a rent by bedroom so there's gonna be total in six people living here so like you know you have to think really on the logistics of everything and so when we we're making these offers on the houses like my house worked out really good for like this all but you have to really think on like the logistics like how we're going to manage like parking, you know, like six to eight cars because, you know, they're guests and whatever. So you have to make sure like there's parking for everybody. And then um, like some things that I didn't really count for is like, I need like two or uh, I need like two refrigerators and I need Mm. um, keypad locks on every single bedroom and um, things like that, that I didn't really think that well on because, um, I was just uh, focused on more of just like the whole investment itself because the whole like management and having everything put into like, um, like actually in place is um, there's a lot more to it than, um, than you think that there is. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, I have one more question and I think uh, Jacob might be wrapping this up here. Um, Favorite book. Do you have like a favorite book you read over the past few years that you'd like to recommend? Um, I mean, for like to get started into house hacking, I would say the house hacking strategy, um, by Craig Kurloff. And so Craig Kurloff was actually my real estate agent. And so if you guys are another tip, (laughs) another tip, if you're anywhere, uh, remotely investing by Denver, uh, definitely reach out to Craig because, um, they'll take super good care of you. Um, they pretty much held my hand through this whole process and made it way way more easy this would have been um pretty difficult um without them for sure um and then i guess my favorite general book um i mean i'm gonna have to just go with the good old classic rich dad poor dad you know (laughs) that book's awesome that's the first book that i read and that's what uh first got me you know started into you know this whole thing there's a there's a few classics you'll hear constantly mentioned and then there's a few other ones you haven't heard of before but you know, but ones like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Thinking Grow Rich. Um, there's a few like that that are just 
you know, tried and true. Yeah. And yeah. They're popular, there. popular for a reason. So, all right, Taylor, we're going to wrap this up, but I want to give you the floor real quick. If you want to um, share any last tips, if you want to share a place where people can connect or get to know more about you, um, or just if you have any sort of call to action whatsoever, the floor is yours. Okay. So, well, my Instagram, it's a little weird, um, but it's Taylor with two R's at the end dot dt if anybody wants to reach out i'm more than happy to help you out um and then i also do plan on starting my own real estate account i'll have like the link to that account in my bio but it'll be purely just me um breaking down exactly everything in a bit more detail um but for some just final tips i would say um definitely no matter what market you're in um reach out to a investor friendly agent uh preferably try to find an agent that's already done exactly what you are trying to do so they know exactly what you're doing they've been doing it themselves for a few years it's just going to make the whole process a lot easier like my um i actually had two agents and so um they were total rock stars um and you know i've i've heard you know people not having so good agents but I think um, just reaching out to even just going on bigger pockets and reaching out to some investor friendly agents is going to make your process a lot easier because they're going to know the, the market that you're in a lot more. They're going to know how to run numbers, like how you want them ran and all of that. Um, and I would just uh, make sure that you're actually ready. You know, I mean, there's a lot to know. Um, and I, I definitely wouldn't, um, like just jump in straight away. I mean, you know, there's definitely some parts that I was just kind of winging everything and it worked out well, but, um, like, uh, definitely just, um, stay really consistent with all the podcast books, um, YouTube videos, like they, they really do work like, um, and, um, and then for finding tenants, um, I would definitely stay strict on your criteria. Um, um, and you know, when you are finding tenants, you know, set out basic um, requirements, but don't ever loosen up from those just because um, my tenants are on a one-year lease. So whoever I accept, I'm stuck with them for a year, whether that be good or not. So definitely make sure you know exactly who you're living with. Um, and I would recommend anybody to get into it because uh, I plan on being completely financially free, free by uh, 23 or 24. So well, thank you very much, Taylor, for coming on today. I think you provided some massive value to our audience. So thank you. Yeah, no, I'm really glad to be here. And I, I really hope that this helped out um, some people and you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Teen Finance for Freedom podcast. We would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, leave a review and share this with someone who needs it. 